and welcome to another episode of the Men's Wear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. On this episode, I'm going to talk to Martin Parker, co-founder of Cut and Pin. Cut and Pin, a less is more philosophy is echoed in all aspects of Cut and Pin and the product they create. They believe in conscious consumption and this sentiment has helped them to create a collection of pieces that transcend trends and gimmicks. And you can find out more about Cut and Pin through their website, cutandpin.com. And here is Martin to tell the story of Cut and Pin. Along with my business partner, Al Baker, um, we actually met while working for a cashmere company based in Harrogate. So uh, we became quite good friends, shared similar kind of humour and um, shared sort of uh, the similar ideas about fashion and um, sort of the world. Um so yeah, we were we had a particularly bad meeting one afternoon, and Al said, "Would you have a fancy setting up your own business?" And uh, off we went to the uh, pub for the obligatory pint and uh, discussed, <laughs> threw around it. some ideas around, you know, what we'd like to do. And uh, I think, I think fundamentally, me and Al felt quite frustrated with the way that the industry was going because at that time, um, sort of. This was kind of the beginning of 2019. It just started sort of, you know, to gather momentum about what what the impact that um, the fashion industry is having on the planet. Um, But also there was a frustration with the menswear market as well, as it currently stands. We were struggling kind of um, to find things that we we like, that we'd we'd like to buy into. Um, it It kind of kind of stemmed from there really. And then it's kind of snowballed. And um, what what kind of expertise are you bringing into this? Have you got a, a textile background? Or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the good thing with me and Al. Um, and I think that's probably the best um, kind of partnership is where you get two people of different kind of capabilities, different experiences. Um, so my, my background is in fashion. Um, I'm a fashion designer and I've been doing that for around 22 to 23 years. And Al's is in the digital and marketing side. Um, so he's been doing that around sort of, you know, 20 years. Right. Working with various um, companies from sort of big, big corporations to small corporations, similar to myself. So, um, you know, that, that kind of partnership works. Yeah. No, a nice alchemy. And was it always your idea to have something of your own in the future, set up your own brand. Yeah, I mean, I've often thought about it, um, but never really kind of um, done anything about it, really. And I think the good thing about Al is quite entrepreneur- entrepreneurial. So, um, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> for want of a better word, a little bit of a hustler. <laughs> right. So, yeah, but um, no, in a, in a good way. So, you know, I think, you know, I'm the kind of um, a sort of, like to stay sort of in the background whereas he's kind of you know up front so it was him that sort of you know we can do this um and off we went and um you know spoke to uh you know potential investors that he sort of knew along the way and um kind of took it from there really um I was going to ask you about how how did you manage to raise the capital to get it off the ground? Do you have like a figure in mind that you needed to get to? And and then who did you go, whose doors did you go knocking on? Yeah, so, um, I mean, Al's sort of the more kind of um, the brains of the partnership in terms of, you know, I'm a, I'm a designer, I'm more creative. It's not kind of the way that my brain operates. So he's more that kind of side of it. So, 
you know, after sort of discussing initial concepts, what we wanted to do, then he went off and kind of, you know, put it through a bean counter, as it were. So, right. you know, and came up with possible scenarios um, in terms of what kind of capital and, and money it would take to, to get a business like what we wanted to do off the ground. So, and um, Al's great at sort of networking, keeping in touch with people. So he knew um, he knew a few sort of um, venture capitalists or people that would like to invest into a, a business like ours. But um, actually, what we actually did um, was um, we approached um, the Virgin Startup Loan. Um, we got actually got recommended by somebody to approach them, and uh, we were very successful in securing a loan as well as um, some small investment from a, um, uh, another person, another party. Okay. That's got equity in the company as well. Well, that's actually really interesting because it's a question that I, I often ask uh, founders and CEOs, and that's yeah. the first time that that company has been mentioned. And I think anyone that's listening to this that's got an idea and perhaps you know out of ideas on how to get capital, maybe Kickstarter hasn't worked, maybe the bank doesn't lend them, you know, and often ideas fall by the wayside, don't they, if it doesn't get past yeah. the first hurdle. So that's interesting yeah. to know. That could be a good resource for people out there. Yeah. I mean, what we found, it's interesting. We, you know, we did go down to London a lot. We were approaching a lot of people. Um, I think people were generally quite cautious, um, you know, even before the pandemic, you know, with, you know, recessions. What And what was going on in the industry? I mean, the, the fashion industry um, at that time and still is quite, uh, you know, it's it's quite on shaky ground at the moment. Um, so I think, you know, there, there were a lot of people that were quite wary, um, obviously a lot of questions about what we wanted to do and why we wanted to do it. And, um, you know, there were a few knockbacks along the way, but um, somebody eventually did bite. But the Virgin Start Loan was, was really good, um, you know, really supportive throughout um you know trying to trying to secure the loan um and really really helpful right um, that's so, interesting you know I'd, i would recommend anybody that's thinking of starting a business whether it's fashion or, or whatever that business is is to definitely approach virgin start loans i guess it sounds good if your brand also has like a an honesty to it like the sustainability yeah. element in your brand cool. is kind of the ethos that's you know yeah that, that runs right through the heart of cut and pin so well that's it i mean you know you you do need there is a usp obviously um they asked a lot of questions they, were, they wanted a lot of market research which is fine i mean you know we, we did a lot of that. We did a lot of that because we were actually going around meeting these people that we were asking, you know, to part with their cash and, and invest in our business. So, you know, we already had like a deck. We already had, um, we'd already profiled the type of guy that we'd be going after. We already had everything there. Mm, yeah. We were already going out trying to, trying to secure some investment. Um, and then, yeah. uh, you know, along the way, me and Al have invested some of our own money as well. Well, your time as well, I imagine. I mean, like time is a commodity that no one really goes, oh, yeah, well, that didn't cost anything. But in reality, yeah. it cost a couple of years of your time, probably. Yeah, yeah, something like this up, Yeah, up there's the investment of time and there's in investment, obviously, from a monetary value yeah. as well. Martin, uh, talk to me about some of the things on the website, please. So there's three categories. There's dead stock, organic, and recycled. And, and for those that aren't overly familiar with them terms, maybe you can walk me through them, please. Yeah, well, um, 
probably start with dead stocks. I think that is a term that's kind of only really come to the forefront in fashion just recently. And certainly when Alan Ale began on this journey back in 2019, the whole dead stock thing was starting to slowly sort of surface. I noticed that a lot of um, big sort of big players, big designers started looking at kind of um, their dead stock or overstock um fabrics that and this in their warehouse so basically yeah dead stock it doesn't it's it's quite an odd word because it, it could maybe conjure up that it's actually fabric that's kind of bad quality inferior which actually it isn't dead stock is basically um fabric that um maybe a retailer or supplier has ordered too much fabric or um it's fabric that um just basically has, hasn't been used um okay. It could be fabric that has been overordered. Um, um, yeah, so it's just sat in a warehouse, basically, gathering right. dust and, and never sees the light of day. Um, so a lot, a lot of people now are starting to look at that and buy into dead stock and overstock fabrics. Um, what, what's the main problem with using dead stock, though? Is it sometimes there's not enough run of it? Maybe it's... Yeah, that's true, actually. And that's... Um, I mean... You could see that we saw that as an opportunity because it almost creates um, limited edition or one-offs. Because um, yeah. yeah, the thing about dead stock, once it's gone, it's gone. So you, you know you can buy up however many meters, make X amount of garments, but once that you know you can't kind of get back into it. Yeah, yeah, it gives Not it that that heightened, heightened exclusivity, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. Um, that is something um, that we'd like to sort of get more into is using dead stock or um, other people's kind of waste. So in terms of the recycled, for instance, the recycled cashmere is actually um, cashmere that as that the supplier, um, when they're making the garment, when they're making the cashmere garments, it could be, you know, all the yarn that comes off the garment and, you know, falls onto the cutting room floor, that's respun and then used again, which normally though that kind of thing would probably just go into a, a big incinerator or, or a bin and get sent off to landfill. But actually what they're doing is reusing it. Why can't the supplier use it themselves? What the the yeah, well that's what they're they they're reusing it to sell to people like us. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they'll use the original cashmere yeah, but then but it's, all, it's what we call um it's pre-consumer right, so okay. if they're making for a um you know a, a, another company and any waste that they're making they will recycle that yarn right okay yeah. and organic organic so organic yeah obviously you know um Oh, we've all heard of organic food and you know the food industry was quite kind of pioneering in terms of that but i think you know the fashion industry has been quite slow to catch up but i think obviously now organic's becoming more more normal so organic is is basically cotton that's been organically grown so you know less of the pesticides less of the water it's kind of fed by rainwater as opposed to you know actual being fed by water um so um right. yeah so there's a lot um there's a lot about the way it's actually grown and manufactured. 
Interesting. Using, using less of the pesticides and chemicals that would normally go into something like a, just a normal cotton. Martin, talk to me about what it's been like to get this off the ground during these times. I mean, whilst the world's on fire and upside down, how's it, how's it been trying to get something like this off the ground? What obstacles have you hit and overcome? Um, well, I mean, probably the biggest one that everybody obviously is talking about in the world is the pandemic. So, you know, um, originally we we thought that we'd launch June 2020, but that kind of got put on hold. So we had to launch a lot later due to um, obviously what was going on worldwide with the COVID-19. Um, so, yeah, it's I won't lie, it's been tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the lockdown hasn't helped. Um, it hasn't helped in terms of, you know, connect, connecting with the supply base and getting in the products because um, everybody's had, obviously, issues with that. Um, so I'd say that's probably been the biggest kind of stumbling block is the whole kind of lockdown and the pandemic. Um, and then, obviously, um, yeah, just getting getting out getting out there. Are the garments made in the UK? So currently, so this is something that we'd actually discussed originally that we wanted a lot of our garments to be made in the UK, but obviously when COVID hit, it changed everything. Um, so currently we are looking at UK manufacturing. Um, so the new stuff that, that's due to come is all UK manufactured, but um, at the moment it's manufactured in uh, Portugal and Mongolia. Right, okay. And has Brexit hit you guys at all in any ways, or have you managed to probably, circumvent those yeah it's it's probably too early to sort of um say whether it has affected us because obviously we're at the very start of our journey right um, but yes i think uh in terms of getting the product over from portugal and into the uk obviously you know everybody's heard about the sort of problematic um you know the problems that they're having bringing product in from europe with um obviously it's all teething problems until they get that sorted so yeah, yeah it's a bit early to tell for us at the moment because we well, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that came in for launch was pre-brexit yeah so we'll 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 find out soon enough <laughs> proof will be in the pudding yeah yeah uh, and have you got any plans to go into retail at any point i presume you guys are just online right now we are, yeah. So we're online, but um, the idea being that, um, yeah, we'd love to, again, <laughs> pre-pandemic, we were talking about pop-up shops. Right, um, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, some... yeah, a lot of people doing that now, as opposed to kind of, um, you know, getting a store and having a, a standalone store, bricks and mortar. Um, yeah. The great thing about a pop-up shop is obviously it can last for six months, 12 months, and you can get the name out there and people can see the product. So... Yeah, it's something we have talked about um, and it's something we definitely look into once, you know, things start to calm down and hopefully return back to normal. Um, I think, you know, internet's great and obviously it's gone through the roof, you know, in terms of people buying online. But, you know, for me who and probably a lot of people out there, you can't get past the fact of walking into a store and trying things on and actually feeling the quality and the fabric. Oh yeah, no. So it's definitely something that's on the agenda for future. Um, but yeah, it's it's probably a thing where you have to be quite kind of cautious with, considering yeah. what's happened in the market um, currently. Um, but, but yeah, it's something we definitely like to do. 
Good. Well, I hope so. I mean, you must have been underneath the breakfast table this morning when I was having this conversation with Anastasia because I was saying to my girlfriend, yeah. I actually haven't bought a pair of trousers in the, in about a year and a half since this whole thing has been <laughs> going on because each time I try and get something online or you know, I can't try anything on in the shops when yeah. we're allowed to go in the shops and because I'm a kind of a weird, odd shape and fit, yeah, you know anything that arrives just gets sent back so you know i'm just now living through the last threads of my jeans i mean i'm yeah. just desperate to get out there and get you know you know get back into the habits of actually like you say mm. feeling fabric trying things on and and walking mm. out of there with an experience rather than just having something arrive and go that's nice isn't it yeah. <laughs> or not yeah, in I most cases <laughs> yeah that's right peter i think that that is a thing it's, it's the, the whole experience of, of doing that and you know that that's the beauty of building a brand and you know creating those experiences and um you know our quality i i know i'm biased but our quality is exceptional for the price and i think you know that that's that's what we need to get out there the message that the quality is there and the fit and everything yeah. i completely agree with you as well i mean you know how disappointing when you order something online and the fit's not great you know go through <laughs> The whole rigmarole of sending it all back. Oh, mate, I, I just can't be asked to do it. And and also, I don't feel great about doing it as well because I used to work in retail. Yeah. And the biggest and one of the great feelings was actually putting out the orders. You'd have online orders and we'd go yeah. down to the post office and it would be a night. And the worst thing would be seeing the postman come back in with those return packages. So, like, mm-hmm. like the postie would come every day with the same kind of, like, blue bags underneath his arms. And it would just be like a real – Yeah, it's expected because, you know, you have to kind of – uh, adjust yeah. for this you know you sell x amount and x amount will be refunded so you kind of know how the game works but it's still a little knee in the nadges in the day when when you see the guy comes in with your clothes and you have to give the money back and i think you know once hopefully touch wood if we get a name for our quality and fit and then you know obviously people will be quite happy to buy online because they know and that that is one thing we're conscious of doing is not constantly changing fits of of garments which i know a lot of retailers do you know how annoying when you know your favorite pair of jeans that you've constantly wore and it's happened to me that um you know and you reorder and and the fit's completely changed yeah Uh, i mean fit's always the hardest thing it's the most you know i've worked in this industry for a long time and fit is so crucial but it's also the hardest thing you know to get right because obviously like you said peter you, you're a different shape to the next guy and I'm a different shape to the next guy. So yeah. it's definitely finding that balance. It's um, it's a hard one. I was going to ask you about Hockney as well. I noticed that was one of your biggest influences. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about uh, some some Hockney, please. And and also how what have you taken from Hockney and put into your designs? Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it's only kind of subtle hit, hint to um, Hockney, but... Um, Again, being an art student and an early fashion student, and I've always been inspired by Hockney. Um, love his artwork, and and obviously he's a fellow Yorkshireman as well. You know, hailing from Bradford, and um, you know, um, and also one of the greatest artists that we've ever seen. Um, and so, still going, right? I thought, was he? Is in his eighties, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, he's an old man now, but he's still still hanging on. Um, and I think, you know, I've always admired his style and I think that was the biggest thing for me. Uh, it wasn't just about his artwork. Um, he's a real kind of style icon and I think I love his sort of, um, the way that he puts things together, it's kind of effortless. It just right. looks really cool. 
And I love the way that, you know, he is quite an old man now, but still, well, to me, he looks really cool. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, he does. I, I had a cool... He's got that sort of agelessness to him in terms of his style, which is something that cut and pin is definitely about. Right, okay. Because, you know, you, you can talk about, you know, when, when me and Al were talking about the type of guy, um, you know, a lot of people do it. Obviously, it's a huge sort of marketing thing where you talk about age profiling and stuff. And, you know, it does it, it does sort of come into that kind of thing. But, um, you know, we, we like to think that our, our garments, our, our style and everything will appeal to everybody because, let's face it, you know, people have changed so much. You, just because you're in your you know, 50s or early 60s or whatever, it doesn't mean to say you want to start wearing well, old ones clothes. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, I mean, some of the most stylish people I know are perhaps some of the more seasoned gentlemen out there. I mean, you, you've probably yeah. heard of David Evans from Grey Fox blog. I mean, he's, yeah, he's yeah, kind yeah. of like a, a force of nature in this sort of stuff. I mean, you see yeah, yeah. regular listicles on GQ. Jeff Goldblum will always be at number one. And what is he? Oh, yeah. Wow. Like I mean, 70 odd or so. <laughs> I mean, looks yeah. fantastic, yeah, right? I mean, he's, he's really cool, isn't he? I mean, wow. Yeah. Great. Well, he'd be a good uh, good ambassador, I think, for your brand. We'll, we'll see if we can get him oh, on him. Well, I think he was actually on our um, <laughs> he was on our initial deck. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, okay. on, along with Jude Law and um, Adrian Brody and people like that. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so kind of cool, you know, effortless, sophisticated. Um, classic, of, yeah. Classic, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing, you know, um, we want to still be, you know, a, di- a brand that kind of offers something slightly different, but not that different that, you know, in time, it's going to look out of step with everything and out of fashion with yeah. everything else going on. Um, so that that was another thing that we were really keen on doing is that actually, you know, making clothes that last, because I think that's the biggest thing. You know, because sustainability isn't just about the fabric you're using or where it's manufactured. It's actually yeah. educating people on, you know, that if you look after your clothes and and the clothes are good quality and you look after them, they can last you a lifetime. Well, Martin, yeah. thanks for coming in and no coming in. Coming in. <laughs> <laughs> He's not sitting next maybe, to me. <laughs> maybe one yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully you'll get uh, a pop-up store in London and we'll... Or, or Leeds or wherever, and oh, yeah, uh, we'd love to come yeah. a Box Park is a good shout for yeah. for pop ups. I think reasonable rates. We're not affiliated with Box Park, but I had a look into them once and thought, actually, that's not too bad. I wouldn't mind doing that myself. You know, Box Park would be ideal. Yeah, I mean, some great shops at Box Park. Yeah, 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 um, quite quite reasonable for a couple of weeks of um, pop up rentals and good yeah, vibe. Yeah, I love that kind of that kind of hub. In, you know they've got the bar there and yeah you know people can go and shop and have a beer and that's what it's all about now that is that is the shopping experience isn't it and that's why you know the likes of all these big retailers is kind of circling the drain or have already gone yeah yeah it is an experience for for anyone that's not been to brixton or know what martin and i are talking about box park are made out of these yeah. shipping crates aren't they yeah, yeah. Like all the yeah. kind of cargo shipping crates you see on these big Maersk ships, they've actually yeah, yeah. converted those into <clears throat> little retail shops and hubs that people yeah. can sift through like a nice labrifying maze almost of independence yeah, yeah. and culture. It's, it's good fun. Yeah. Anywho, I digress. Martin, thanks for coming on, mate, so late in the day. Right. And, uh, best of luck with Cut and Pin. People can go and yeah. find the brand, cutandpin.com. 
It's a website people can go to and also follow their journey on Instagram at cut and pin menswear. Menswear, yeah. Got it. Good to go. Brilliant. Mm. All right, Martin. Take care of yourself. Great talking to you. You too. Thank you. Cheers. See you later. Thank you, Martin, and thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. If you like what you hear, why not leave a review? It does help our egos. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode and all content pertaining to fashion, watches, grooming, and lifestyle over at www.menswearstyle.co.uk. And we're on the social as well, at Menswear Style. If you want to be a guest on the show and tell us about your brand and your journey, you can email us here at info at menswearstyle.co.uk. Until next time, everyone.